Hallelujah. It's good to see everybody here this morning. It was good to see you at the prayer breakfast this morning before we started this service. And I think that a lot of you are expecting, looking, and longing for God to do something in your life. Hallelujah. As you're finding a seat, I want to just pray over this service, Father, today. We know that one word from you can change our life. And Father, we're asking your Holy Spirit to speak, to customize this message today for us. The God that we might be able to hear, therefore apply it to our lives. And Father, see, God, your word be acted out. God, let the men of this world, this, the people around us, to see the fruit that we bear, God, to give you glory. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, uh, after being out of the pulpit for about, or out of the sermon, preaching the sermon for about five weeks, I appreciate all those that have gone the last five weeks and preached for me. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, I wanted to just do a tag team on every one of them. You know, come on up here and just take it, take it on home. And so this morning, I, I'm pretty fired up about the goodness of God. And, and this morning, God's placed on my heart that I, I've been dealing with. Could you turn me down a little bit? Because I'm telling you right now, I'm just starting. I'm a little hoarse because I think that, you know, I was singing so loud that, anyway, that's another story. Now, don't turn me off. Come on, Christian. I sing back there shaking. He's laughing so hard. Power is in the hands of the sound man. Let me ask you, how many grew up in church? Let me see your hand. Now, let me see your hand if you have been in the church more than 30 years growing up, because there's some 30 years old and younger people. How, how many sung hymns in your life? Yeah, yeah. How many remember the song, I've Got a Mansion? You remember that? Let, let's see if we can sing that, just that first verse. Now, right now, my wife's going, no, no. <laughs> my children are crying, no, don't. <clears throat> I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And one day yonder we'll never more wander than walk on streets that are pure as gold. Boy, let me tell you, about that time, Sister Beulah would ramp, you know, ramp it up a little bit. I got it. I mean, we're like, hey, hey, hey. Ease up, ease up. Let me tell you, it, it, is, it is kind of a, a culture shift from the songs that we used to sing. And, and let me tell you, to some extent, I feel like we've, we've sung, you know, better. And, and, but all of the confessions that we sing, we, we are hearing ourselves sing. They're, they're going back into our ear. And therefore, again, we're, we're confessing them. Sometimes people will be out of the church for a couple months, maybe years, and they come back, you know what, Pastor, I just feel so much better being in the church. And they, they don't realize that it starts from the moment you come in, somebody's actually greeting you. You know, Walmart and some of those businesses now are kind of picking up on that. So they'll say, welcome to Sports Clips. You know, when you walk in, you're kind of like, well, am I a church? I've never heard that. 
And then you'll sing songs of the goodness of God and how much he loves us. And you're, you're confessing something. You're in a place where, you know, you're, it's just different than the culture that we live in. But, but this morning and, and this week, I, I, I just began to pray as this message has been on my heart for literally months. And, and again, whatever I preach, I've told you that it seems like I live out. And, and I, I begin to see the... the uh, the ability to, to be able to speak on something and know that I'm going to speak on something, it, it makes me more aware of the things that are happening in my life. So let me just tell you this morning that if you trust that I do love you, that I, I want you to know that this morning, this message is just for me as much as it is you. And, and all of my messages are like that. And, and when we sang that song, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land. Or we'll never grow old. Hallelujah. And it says, I, I, I love it when it says yonder. Because, you know, we don't say yonder very much. But it rhymes with wander. So, you know, you can't throw that out. And, and maybe you sang a song before. One of my favorite hymns is I'll Fly Away. Now, we're not going to sing that, so settle down, settle down. <laughs> settle down. And it talks, we used to sing songs a little bit more of singing about heaven and how much value we all know that heaven is. But sometimes we got out of balance and we started leaning towards not thinking about what we're doing here on this earth and what God has blessed us and we have a job to do and all the blessings that God wants for us here on this earth to be able to do for the kingdom of God. And we just we just focused on heaven. But if we're not careful, we begin to swing back the other way and we begin to focus only about here. And we know that when we're investing our time and our money, as, as Matthew chapter 6 says, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. The previous part of that whole chapter is that we invest in the kingdom, the things of God, instead of the things that are temporal. You know what temporal is, right? The things that seem so important right now that will be dust in a thousand years, a hundred years, some of it. This morning, I want to read a passage of Scripture that I've read many times in this church. And, and again, the, those that have heard this that I could say, okay, go ahead and summarize the rest of it. I, I want you to, for you that are here, I want you that know this passage, I want you to be aware of it to the point, well, they've already got it up there, so they kind of stole my thunder. Thank you guys in the back. So let's read it together. And I hope they have the same version. The seed, Matthew 13, the seed cast into the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard, and nothing comes of it. And then it ends up by saying the, cat, the seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Now, we know that that's a passage also in Mark chapter 4 that talks about the parable of the sower. that The farmer is casting seed and it's falling on different ground. And three out of four of the grounds that are described in that passage are not fertile ground. It has a bunch of rocks or it's hard, you know, or it's got thorns in it. 
this, this morning we're going to be talking about the, the soil that has thorns because th- this is something that I believe that as God is speaking to me and, and God is speaking through me to our church, that is something that we have to be aware of. This morning, I'm not going to take long on this, so if you would kind of inch yourself up to the edge of the chair and kind of lean in because, again, as God has spoken to me, I believe this is for our church. When, when it says in this translation, the, the worry, you know what I mean? In, in another translation, it's the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things are the, the thorns that come in and creep it. Has, has anybody ever planted a garden? Let me see your hand. It, nothing to be ashamed of. Put, put it up there. It might have been. My first garden was when I was about six years old and I planted radishes. That's right. Didn't even like radishes, but boy, when those jokers came up, I said, look out. Told my sister, told my mom, dad, those jokers right there because of me. But you know what I found out about being a farmer? Because I've planted many gardens since. I like planting. It's pretty fun. You know, you did, you know, dig a little in, put it there, and you get a lot of expectancy. And it's not long after that that you begin to desire the harvest because you've waited so long and you've watered it. And it, that's pretty fun too, the harvest. But it's in between the planting and the harvest that, let me tell you, is no fun. It's out there weeding. Anybody with me on that? You know, you're out there with a hoe and you're going, I don't see anything. And, and there's kind of a frustration that can be built up and you're thinking, it's not going to come up. That's what I want to talk about this morning. The crowdedness of life begins to choke out the effectiveness of God's word in our life. It's, it's God's purpose and his plan for our life. This morning, if you're here and you're not a, a believer, it is so important to know that God loves you. I, I, I want you to know if you're here today and you're walking in, in maybe fear, that God loves you. But, but this morning, even though I can speak to all these parties of people, the ones that I want to speak to are those of us that have been blessed, prosperous in our life, that have gotten promotion, that are walking in the blessings of God in the land of the living. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody here beside me that can say that? Well, let me just inform you, if you didn't raise your hand, you're very blessed. We live in a country that not only do we have houses, but we have Houses for our shoes. Rooms for our shoes and rooms for our clothes called closets. We have little rooms and houses for our cars called garage. We're rich. We're blessed. And sometimes we get our eyes on the things that God has blessed us. And this morning I want you to see this because it's not hard to give God everything when we don't have anything. And usually what happens is we become negotiators early on in life, don't we? God. If you just let me pass this test. If I could just pass this test, God. And then pretty soon we grow and we pass that test and we get out of school and we say, God, God, if you just let her agree to marry me, God, I'll do anything. I'll give you everything, God. God, we've been married quite a while now, six months, and we really need a house. God, if you'll just let that bank loan go through, God. 
then we get a house and then we pray for the promotion at the job and we get a job and we get promoted. And all of a sudden, it, it's not soon. It's not it's not it, it's amazing how soon it is that the the blessing that we've prayed for begins to inch out the blesser. Out of our life. We become so unbalanced of thinking about the blessing. If we're not careful, we don't have time for the blesser. We begin to say, God, look what I've done. And God's purpose and plan, his prophetical plan over our life that we received when we came to know him begins to be crowded out by the feeling of we've done it. And what's sometimes amazing to a pastor is when I hear this, that there seems to be no sense of remorse from the person that that has happened. They're just, hey, this is the way it is. In a different time in my life when I was in seminary and, and I saw people that, that came to, they, they were called into the ministry and, and sometime later I, I got in contact with them and I said, were you ministering? And they said, no, no, no. I, I, I soon after the college time, I, I got a job and, you know, I became self-employed and, and, and not that any of that is bad, but the calling was put on the shelf because they had made money in their business. I begin to thank God. Don't allow the thorns of the life that I live grow so strong they begin to strangle out what's real and what you've given me in my life. Now, this morning, you know, if you've been at our church, I'll never speak against prosperity and blessings in our life. I believe God's Desire is for us to be whole in prosperity in every area of our life. In our culture, everybody goes immediately to money. But what I'm talking about when we pray and we believe in prosperity, we believe in the wholeness in our relationships with our wives. You say, Pastor, I don't have prosperity in, in my relationship with my wife. Not yet. But we're praying for it just like prosperity in your healing, in your bodied health. In, in your finances, in your life as a whole. But this morning, I, I want you just for a few minutes to take an evaluation of your life because do you realize that the enemy has a strategy against you fulfilling God's vision and purpose for you in your life? Now this morning, I think that we would become more serious if we realized that, first of all, that we have an enemy and that his desire is for you not to be what God has called you and created you and identified you as. And I believe that sometimes that, that we go unaware that the enemy has a plan of getting us so busy that we do not stay focused on the things of eternal things versus the things of temporal, the things that will be gone tomorrow. Kind of to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Have you ever had a yard sale? And you had the tables out because you borrowed them from the church. And I know because all of you that have come by and borrowed them. And they're all out and you got all these little trinkets and knickknacks. And, you know, always there's a treadmill over there on the side. You know, there's a treadmill. I don't know what that is about, but you know. And you got all this stuff out there that you spent high dollars on. And if somebody five minutes after you bought it said, 
give me that for a nickel. You'd say, get off of that. That's mine. But over the course of a couple months and maybe years, and it went into the drawer and went into the box and went into the attic. You go, Let's get rid of that. I thought I would always need that big white elephant sculpture. Or, but I don't know what I'm going to do with it now, you know. And this morning, to understand that we need a strategy because our culture has a strategy. And it's like that our culture has a mold that that wants us to be poured into. As Romans chapter 12 says, be not conformed to the pattern of this world. And the pattern of the world is to stay busy as much as you can. To to get, get involved with so much stuff that doesn't matter. So that you really can't spend time in the things of God. Fulfilling the kingdom of God. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is talking to Timothy. And he says, man, Timothy, as as my protege, as kind of a young disciple, I I just want to encourage you. Because I know all the good things that has been in your life, your mother and your grandmother. and, And then he gives this encouragement. He says, I want you to stir up your faith because of your trust in God. Stir it up. And, and you know, when we think about that, that, that takes action on our part. Do, do you realize that? That, that, is just, that didn't just happen. That we have to trust in God, but also stir up our faith to say, God, I am not going to allow fear, doubt, and unbelief to come into my mind. Because that's what the Bible says. That He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power in His own mind. To stay focused on the things of God. And then as you progress into the, the maturing of Christ, and, and when you realize that you're walking with Christ, and it's a journey, and it's not going to be just, you know, you're going to wake up in a bed of roses every day. But there's something about realizing fighting the good fight of faith isn't about always fighting against the devil or demons, but it's fighting against his plan for your life. To, all he has to do is get in motion. The ability for you to stay busy, for your ability to get all these other things crowded in your life and to spend all your money so there's no margin, there's no ability to give. And all of a sudden the thorns begin to come up and choke out the Word of God in our lives. The seed in this passage of Scripture is God's word. And it becomes ineffective. It says that it bears no fruit because the thorns choked it out. Now watch this. In our lives, a lot of times I'll hear people go, you know what, the, the things of God just don't work in my life. I don't know, it, it's kind of like the lottery, I never win. And, and they think it's just by chance that the word of God is going to work or not in their life. But could it be that the word of God is ineffective in a person's life because they've allowed the things of this world to choke out what's more important, and that is the word? They've come up with the notion that God's word doesn't work anymore. The things of God worked in the New Testament, maybe the Old Testament, but pastor, it just doesn't work in my life. This morning, I want you to understand that Paul said it this way. 
Here he is. He's the Hebrew of Hebrews. He's got all the reputation. He's done all the right things. He knows the right connection. He's in, the, in his business as being a Pharisee and everything's going well. When he realizes later on in life after meeting Jesus, all that reputation, all that stuff of trying to climb the right ladder, I realized that my ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. All the things that I thought were so important, I count as rubbish. Dung. That's pretty strong. But he's trying to make the point that all that stuff that's temporal, that really doesn't matter, that I worked so hard to get, is nothing compared to the Word of God working in my life. This morning, I want you to think about it. There's stories that go on and on about the busyness of our life in the world and how people fought through the busyness and the crowdness of all the schedules and things to get to Jesus, get to the actual Word who is living, Jesus Christ, and it changed their life. This morning, I want you to think about the woman with the issue of blood. She's had this problem in, in her body and, and it's been a while and she spent all her money and doctors couldn't do anything. And the day comes that she sees or hears that Jesus is going to come through the community. Now, now just think inside of her, all this stuff that's going on and she comes out of her house and she hears the sound and it has to be Jesus. They said he could be coming today and she comes around the corner to find it's like a parade. It's a massive of people, people that don't even live in her community are there. But she has the desire to say, you know what, I don't care of how hard it's going to be to get to Jesus. But today I'll guarantee you I'm going to get to him. I'm going to get through the busyness of all the streets, all the people that are pressing in. And the Bible says that she pressed in so hard and so long that she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Now, what's so amazing about that passage is here's Jesus and he's going and it's so loud and the people are, because the disciples even say when Jesus says, who, who touched me? They go, it, Jesus, come on now. There's so many people around us. How, how would anybody know? Everybody's touching you. No, no, no. I want you to see this. Because we know the word now that says, by his stripes we are healed. That the woman realized that a point of connection on the healing part of her body would take place by faith if she could just get to Jesus. When you and I get that that dogmatic spirit. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. Has anybody besides me had people calling and want to talk? Do, do, do we have the same schedule where we feel like when we get up and we're going to spend time with God that all of our mind is filled with the to-do list today? Huh? How about when, when, you, when you thought that you were just going to walk by and get a cup of coffee, but you're Kids drank all the coffee, so it's an extra 10 minutes to make another pot of coffee. And I was just going to have one cup of coffee, and then I was going to go spend time with God. Well, I guess, guess I don't have time today. Maybe you've tried to come to church, and you went out, and it seems like everything's going against you to get to church. I've heard people say, Pastor, I went out, the car wouldn't start, I got it started, and then it had a flat tire. 
There's a point in our life that in our schedules, we've got to say like that woman that, that's pressing through the crowd. And, and, and I, if I can just let all this busyness not hinder me to get to Jesus. I love it because Jesus says there's dumina or power like dynamite. You know, there was power that left his body as soon as that woman touched the hem of his garment. This morning, some of you have been longing for an answer in your life. And you say, God, I feel like your word is not effective in my life. It's not. I want you to ask yourself, is there things that are choking out the word of God because you're so busy? The focus has been on things that are temporal. Another story that I love is the story of Zacchaeus. Not just because he was a small man. But he climbed a tree in order to see Jesus. He, here, here he is, a tax collector, and you know he's probably got everything that he wants. He's got the, the nice car, he's got the bass boat, he's got the big house, he's got the maids and the servants, and everybody hates him, but who cares? I'm a tax collector. But there was something about him on this day that he said, you know what? I don't care about all this crud in my life that doesn't matter. What matters is getting to Jesus. He climbs a tree and Jesus comes over and sees him during the procession of Jesus walking through the. And what I love about it is when God has said in Jeremiah, when you seek me with all your heart, I'll be found. It's not a guess. It's not a flip a coin. Maybe, maybe not. I will be found. And so Zacchaeus is climbing up this sycamore tree and he's watching it. And Jesus goes, there's a guy that's seeking me with all his heart. Jesus comes over. Can you imagine the crowd? Where's it going? Where's he going? He's going over to Zacchaeus. And the Bible says that Jesus says, come on down. I'm going to spend time at your house. They go to Zacchaeus' house and he fixes lunch or whatever he does, you know, to celebrate Jesus coming to his house. And it says that his life is changed on that day. And he begins to even give away the stuff, the crud that had developed in his life that was so valuable that he was willing to cheat his neighbors being a tax collector. He realized what was most important. What a powerful story, Zacchaeus. I love the story of the, the men that had a friend. And he was paralyzed, apparently, because he was on a stretcher, a cot, some kind of bed that they carried. And the Bible says that they came to where Jesus was and he, was, he, he went into a house and we don't know exactly the whole buildup of the house. We don't know how big it was. But we do know that it was so crowded with people that the, the men carrying the man on the pallet, the, the cot, the stretcher, could not get in. So what happened? Well, you know, we don't have time for this. We'll just come back. Maybe, maybe not. I love the determination. No, 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 no. We're not leaving until we get to Jesus. The Bible says that they cut a hole in the roof and lowered him down. Now, now watch this. The passage of Scripture that mentions this says this. Here's Jesus and he sees this guy coming down on this mat. And, and everybody I'm sure in the room, especially the owner of the house, is going to do what?
It says when Jesus saw their face, the friend's face, when he saw that they were seeking him with all their heart for the healing of their friend, man was healed. His sins were forgiven. Those people in the story realized how important not allowing the busyness, the crowding in, the things that are temporal, choke out the word of God that is effective in our lives. I think about every Christmas I love to preach and and I got to fight about not preaching about the innkeeper. Just think of the opportunity that he missed by not having God born in his hotel. Motel. I don't think they had a motor, so it probably is hotel. In. That's it. It was so busy. Sorry, we don't have room for you. A lot of times I think about that in my life. Do you, do you think about that in your life? Is there times that we're so busy that we just say, not now, God. You know, you know God, I, I've got all this stuff to do, and God, it's good stuff. God, I'm too busy. Maybe, maybe you can come back another time. Maybe, maybe down there there's a barn. Maybe you could go down there for a while and ask you what does matter what is the matter with us we've allowed weeds to come in and they're growing and flourishing so to speak in our garden in our lives see the bible says about the word of god for you have been born again not a perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. This morning, as you have come to know Christ as your personal Savior, what you did is you received the Word of God saying that He died on the cross for you, that if you put your faith in Him, confess your sins, repent of your sins, and you're born again, that you'll spend eternity with God. You receive that. That passage says that the seed, there's no problem with the seed. The Word of God, the whole Bible. Really, there's no problem with the soil, but the problem comes with what we allow to go in around the Word of God, the seed, and allow that to grow. The thorns that choke out and make the Word of God ineffective. Let me tell you this morning, and I want to encourage you, Some of us already know what giving up feels like. Don't you want to see what happens if you don't give up? And say, God, there's nothing I'm going to do to give up. I'm going to press in. I'm going to get some of this stuff out of my life. To to be someone of success, to seeing this happen, do, do you realize that the man that is on top of the mountain didn't fall there?
It's going to take work on our part and, and it almost like to build a strategy that comes over us that says, God, I, I'm going to say, you know, we, we did this little uh, Christian education hour and little I had threw that on there. But we had this hour that we talked about boundaries. And, and I kind of laughed and some of the boundaries was uh, one of the weeks was be careful not to say or to say no to the church. And I kind of laughed because the the involvement of the church, the participation of people in the church have gone down over the years. The participation of giving has gone down over the years. The, the, the attendance over the whole country has gone down over the years. So as a church, to, to understand that there has to be a strategy that says, God, there could be something missing in my life. God, I know that you have a plan for my life. You, you, you know, some people need a vision for their life. And all they have is a television. But God has given us a future, a good future and a plan for our life. And I believe that the word is active and alive in our life and, and we can see breakthroughs come in an area of our, in, in our relationships. Here's what I know without a doubt. If you're married, you've had a fight and a conflict with your spouse. Nobody here is going to go, he's a genius. How did he know that? <laughs> if you're a child and you live at home, you've had a fight with your parents. If you worked more than probably eight hours at a job, you probably have had a conflict with somebody at your work. But when the Word of God... The seed that we're talking about, just in one example, tells us that as we're walking in love and, and we're doing the golden rule, do unto others as we would have them do, that those things are not common practice from people that are not believers. But when we allow the junk, the crud to get out of our life and we begin to do the word of God and make that a priority in our life, all of a sudden, we begin to see the Word of God become active and alive and flourish and produce fruit in our life. Therefore, God says, look at the blessing that He is and promotion follows that. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I'm talking to Blessed people today. You know, when I, when I think about blessed people and the rich young ruler, and here he is, and he's got everything that a young man would want. And, and let me tell you, I'm not against blessings. God, I've been blessed. My family has been blessed enormously. But when Jesus said there's one thing missing, Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. I think what really, and again, this is conjecture on my part, but I really believe that he was saying, 
You can't keep your focus on me. See, see there, there's something about the rich young ruler that he wanted to do it. And sometimes we want to do it. And sometimes we have to say, no, I can't have all this stuff. And, and sometimes I wonder if we're, we know the passage of Scripture, we're blessed to be a blessing. But I wonder sometimes if we don't become, as we've talked about, the Dead Sea where it flows in, but it doesn't flow out. And kind of financially we become constipated. And we've got all this stuff and don't touch my stuff. And we've worked all our life to get all we can. Can all we get and then sit on our can. This is ours. And we've lost focus. He said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, now again, be careful. Because money is not evil. It's immoral. It, it is what we see money as. And if we're not careful, we, we kingdom of God, there, there's people that will give to the kingdom of God. Tithe, well, I, I give my money over here to this good cause. I don't have to tithe. And, and sometimes I wonder, you know, when I look back on my life and, and just Gwen and I, and we started out and we had this van that I thought was a wonderful. We're going to have a child and went to a guy's house and sat down in his living room. And he even knew some people we knew. And we didn't have any money, but Gwen brought in a car into the marriage. So we were going to trade that because little Luke is on his way. You know, we got to have a van. Everybody has to have a van. Minivan. We sit there and we made a deal. And boy, I thought I got a good deal. And he said, I'm going to take care of the title. Two months later, the title didn't come, so I couldn't get a hold of him. And Long story short, he never paid the owner for the van before he got it, and therefore it was put out in a you know, police report that my van that I paid for was stolen. Now, when I heard that at the moment, I thought, wouldn't it be something if I'm preaching and I saw a policeman in the back of the lobby? God has brought us so far from that place. To, to, to get a van that was really so valuable to me that really ended up being stolen. I thought my life put so much on that. Now nobody wants their van gone or stolen or vehicle being a wreck or anything like that. But we prayed, God, we would give you so much more money if we made more money. And we make a lot more money than when we started. God has blessed us. We have more streams of income 
through things that I would have never dreamed would have been streams of income into the Miller family, like raising miniature longhorns. Come on now. And we said, God, we're going to be a blessing because you've blessed us. And, and let me tell you, God is bringing more blessings into the Miller family. But I wonder how many people have gotten to the point where they say, God, I'll, I know how to tithe. And maybe you even tithe when you're a little bit. All of a sudden, all the things of this world came in and you said, well, you know what? I, I, if I would be blessed more, I could give tithe. Five years went by and you got blessed, you got promoted maybe. And all of a sudden you're going like, what happened, God? I need more money than I did back then. God, you have to give me a cost of living raise. And all of a sudden, the things of this world begins to choke out the Word of God because you have not been, again, allowing the Word of God to be the Word of God in your life. I saw a bumper sticker years ago that said, the man that has the most toys when he dies wins. Has anybody ever heard that? Look at this guy. But let me tell you, the Word of God says, he that finishes without Jesus is a loser. The Word of God is the most important thing. And when you think about the Word of God being the sword of the Spirit, you know, and, and it's so important. Somebody, somebody gave me this not too long. Look at that bad boy, huh? What does a pastor do with a sword? He puts it, leans it up against his wall for sermon illustration, just like this. So take it in all its glory right there. Look at that. Luke came in and the doors were open and he said, I didn't have anything to protect myself so dad, I walked around with your sword. Can you imagine somebody in church like Pauline getting coffee or something at night and she coming in with a sword? Ah! That's an inside joke for all the youth group. They had a lock-in and Pauline and Berta were cleaning the church on Saturday morning and they walked in and my son Heath was asleep on one of the chairs and he, ah! He said, Pauline, or Berta was yelling and Pauline was kind of looking like that. It's me, he said, it's me. He didn't know if Pauline might have had a machete of her own. Who knows? But the Word of God, let's get back to the sermon. The Word of God in our life is so important. But what happens is our capacity is already full. And the Word of God in the parable of the sower says that the, the seed was planted. And we know one out of the four places where the seed was sown comes up because the, it was fertile soil. It wasn't a hard path. It wasn't rocky. It wasn't thorns. So, so when we hear the Word of God and we go, God, I want the Word of God to be active in my life. And we go, you know, God, it's, it, I just really don't have room for it. And, and let me just tell you as an illustration, sometimes we got to go, oh, yeah, I remember that day when I got that. And it's so important. Yeah, the fan, it's so wonderful. I, I spend so much sports, you know. Can't come to church because Cowboys are playing today. You know, Pastor. Oh, I remember when my children were young and I did all that stuff with my children. I'm a... 
Well, I don't know. I might have grandkids one day. Huh? Oh, yeah, clothes. You know, I got to spend my money on clothes. That's so important. You know, pastor got to look good. And sometimes we go through all the stuff of life, you know, that coffee. We'll, we'll, we'll put that back in there. No, no, I'm, just, I'm just saying. But what is more important than the Word of God? Nothing. And this morning, right where you're at, you've got to decide. Am I going to push away the schedule of being so busy that I can't focus on God? Am I going to, am I going to make sure that the blessings of God in my life don't crowd out the blesser. It's time for us to get some of the stuff out of our life that we can see the Word of God active again in our life and, and, and directing us and guiding us. We have a good God. What I know is a year from now, if you do nothing a year from now, you'll wish that you would have started today putting God's word first. To clear the crud out and say, God, you're a priority in my life. Would, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? This morning, right where you're at, I know that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today because I prayed that he did, would and that he would customize it, this sermon, for your life. And this morning, I'm going to pray in a few minutes, and I just want you to, again, allow the Holy Spirit to show you the areas of your life that you need to start clearing up. Getting the thorns out that are choking the Word of God in your life. Maybe it's time to sell some stuff. Maybe it's better you just give it away. To, again, get margin in your finances. Begin tithing, begin to give, begin to become active in the church. Father, today, I love you so much for what you're doing in our life and in our church's life. God, we're seeing so much happen in people's lives. But Father, we want to be the most productive that we can be for you and your glory. God, today we make the decision. Some of it is a hard decision. God, they're good things in our life, but they're just not the best things. And God, the things that we've been blessed with, God, have become overgrown in our life to the point that we have put our focus on them instead of you. And Father, you love us. God, your word keeps us on track that we might be, God, to the fullest of what your love is for us. And God, that's what I pray for our church. In your wonderful name I pray, amen.